Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode number three of the School to the Pool podcast with your host, David Lee. Now, because it's getting a bit late, it's 8 o'clock, you know, getting pretty close to bedtime. You know what? We're going to skip through most of the intro stuff, all that goodies. Hopefully, you know, there's not much interference. There won't be much interference. And let's get started with today's topics. And so today, which is a Friday, of course, when I record these, so I have a full week's work from school to look back on and reflect upon. We, uh, in English class, AP, we uh, had talked about different topics that we could choose for an argumentative essay that we had to write. And so we all got into a nice circle, you know, we kicked the kids in the middle out and we swiveled our chairs out to the outside. And so we went around the classroom and set our ideas. and. And looking at it, I'm like listening to some of these ideas and topics from like the filibuster to like race relations to like gym class and how you should be graded in gym class to my idea of something that I'll talk about later, maybe not this pod, but a a different one is, and I just left like listening to all these ideas and just things. And I'm like, you know, these are some really good ideas from a bunch of bright kids a diverse group of smart kids and and then I wondered like why we're doing this and then I remember that our teacher said something that we are only doing as much stuff as the college board like essentially needs us to do to pass the AP and if that's the, as so if we are doing as little as we can of the college board curriculum in AP English as we can and so in my mind I realized that if we stuck to the college board, like straight and narrow, we never would have gotten this moment where we got to sit and listen to the ideas and topics that my peers and classmates came up with. And to me, that goes to show just the ne- like the influence and arguably negative influence that college board has. Because if, if, uh, as something as large as College Board, which arguably it is, due to how it has a monopoly on like your SAT testing and is really like a it's a really big player when it comes to like high school college transition and preparation when it comes to that. But if this huge entity has it wrong, then doesn't that mean that there's something wrong with, with College Board and arguably standardized testing in and of itself? That that would be the natural progression, and of course, there's no way that College Board can be that wrong. I'd I'd hope. So to touch upon the standardized testing part, uh, and just the impact it has on us at school, I think that like like when we know we have a standardized test coming up, I don't think any of us have sweated it. You know, it's like, geez, you know, I'll do it. Because I feel like, for one, lots of us have t- answered the same questions over and over on, say, like, your reading benchmarks and stuff. And you've always been gotten the same things. And it is an online thing. So it's not like the PSSAs or something like that. Or or your state test, wherever you are. But, again, like, no one feels like those things, those benchmarks really impact you. Of course, I can't speak to 
the AP test itself, of course, which I assume would have much more weight and pressure placed on it due to the fact that, you know, if you don't get a high enough benchmark, essentially, you're not going to get any college credit out of it, which naturally, of course, would increase the amount of stress on a student. But I think that to a certain degree, so sort of like refocus this quickly. I think that like testing to show like you understand what you're talking about and learned in like AP classes as the end of your thing, I think that is reasonable and makes sense. It's like a final essentially. But when it comes to SATs and ACTs and when it comes to college acceptance, I feel like it's overblown and frankly the industry that has sprouted up as a direct result of the like need quote-unquote to have a good like SAT score or ACT score to get into in the college is overblown and of course that goes to how college board so just so influential and how you know if you make a college board account which you or need to essentially if you want to use a wide array of resources you don't need to go through a process and get good old emails from them about the PSAT and all of that and just but again like if college board doesn't provide students with like the unique like writing opportunities to you know engage in a topic that students want to engage in those things instead of simply doing like continuous monotonous like you know like bcr writing and just like very not even like good analysis writing but very generic bare bones three example analysis writing which is in no way really applicable to the real world which is the real crux of education right is you need to contextualize it to the to your audience the students and make make us realize that you know what? There's a purpose to why we're doing it, and that's why I should try and pay attention. And ultimately, not the vast majority of kids are not students who are pretty know what they want to do and have their life mapped out. I don't have my life mapped out, certainly. So, just having that contextualization will help. To move on to a, a slight detour. I think that speaking of SATs and the huge hype around it, I read an Atlantic article today. And it was talking about how Ivy League schools need to, instead of being taking pride in being so restrictive in their acceptance policies, they should instead be more, accept more students into their classes. Because if you look at it, the amount of colleges that have had their acceptance percentage that be the same as Yale back earlier in like the at some point in the 1900s is now 50 colleges have the same acceptance rate as Yale did in the 1900s which simply doesn't scale because you look at every essentially every other measurable metric that's simply not the case as it all grows as time increases and population increases and everything increases regardless of whatever slope is increasing at it has increased like inflation has increased, the economy has increased, populations increased, but Yale's but fifty colleges acceptance rates have not, and this creates like a very it's like supply and demand essentially, and so you create 
you have the same amount of supply, but the demand has increased, and so naturally your your uh, constraints in order to get to that point have increased as well. But to a point where it's not really genuine, and instead you're simply getting the same rehashed and good test scores. And frankly, I don't think it's fair. I think that affirmative action is something. Yeah. I, I think that affirmative action is good. I think that the purpose of it is good. I feel like uh, this will be real quick uh, sidetrack. But the way to make it more egalitarian is to transition it to income based because i i can go into this into this uh, in more detail in a special podcast specifically on my perspective on changing affirmative action to income levels but ultimately i think that as an asian american i, I think i can say that on this pod without giving away too much and like who's certainly not at that top income level of where I am one of those people, and yet I will still be tr- impacted in negatively, I, I think it's safe to, safe to say, by affirmative action. So I just don't think, I don't feel like that is fair. But of course, I, I haven't done, like, contextualizing, like, laid out my my policy. So it's always easier to nitpick and all that instead of taking action myself. But so to wrap this up, ultimately, College Board and the pressure and focus on SAT scores and like the straight and narrow path that all students must take to get a five or a four on an AP test and get into a one of those wonderful prestigious schools is overblown. And um, but of course, this is one of those things that I really can't provide an answer to because it is something that is beyond me. It is at the very least 50 colleges beyond me and one college board beyond me. Those are some pretty big hurdles. I think that the education of our students is worth more than whatever these schools have. Yale has increased their class size by 200, so 200 more students get the chance to, to go to a prestigious school and move forward in life. And hopefully that's what all of us want to achieve in life as well. Of course, the journey ahead is long and difficult, but just call it the straight and narrow of college board and high test scores and all that. That should not be the way forward. In sharp contrast to like the focused and regimented college board curriculum that they have suggested for teachers in my in one of my classes right now, a science class, physics, I can say. And right now, for the past week, we have been going through a very unguided l- learning curve, where we have been given we went so I just have some pretext. We went to a horse barn. We like recorded a horse running, galloping, and trotting, and variations of those, but for ninety meters. And now we are using that data to calculate its acceleration, its distance over time, and all of that. But the way in which we're doing it is not in like a guided format from a teacher, where we are like taking notes and like understanding the process. But instead, we are simply 
we're told our end goal, and then we are left to our own devices to get to it. And and from a person who's who doesn't who isn't grasping all the concepts in that class immediately per se, I think it is a pretty difficult. I think that when you have an unguided session, learning style or teaching style, you pretty much you sort of split it split up the class into those who understand what's going on and move quickly. And then those of us, myself included, who aren't necessarily picking up the concept like a, like in a snap, if I may try to snap. And ultimately this slides into just the fact that I feel like I'm not really getting much out of it right now. I'm having troubles contextualizing it and just looking at the spreadsheet isn't necessarily helping me per se. Of course, this is one class, and maybe that's just the way that something like this class should be taught. But I think ultimately, this leads into a bigger question of learning styles, and if that's a thing, and and you know, tailoring things to students, and like how much effort should be taught or spent on those who struggle to pick up concepts immediately. Frankly, and those are tough questions. There was a an essay effort an English class, of course, to bring it back to that. And like, and like so was talking about like, you know, inner city public schools and how, at least in this DC school, public school, they pretty much just like identified early on the students that they had the intelligence or metrics to, to accomplish things and separated them immediately from the rest of the body and only focused on those kids which to me is a travesty and the educations of students should never be completely given up on like that. Because to me that's disingenuous. It's a misappropriation of public tax dollars. And ultimately it's a disservice to the country and community as those and students who've been deprived of education will not contribute anything, not because of lack of desire to, as it may be if they've received one, but instead simply because of the failure, the system to pro provide them with the means of an education, which would be the ultimate travesty, would be the waste of the life of a citizen of the United States of America. Which, of course, is a result of unguided learning where there isn't an end goal in place. And ultimately, to get back to, to my personal example, even though I was felt lost and didn't quite understand it, I knew that there was an end position where we would go over it in detail and that would help us understand what's going on. And that is the key, the end goal, the end position, the final result. As long as the final result is apparent and obvious and is made clear to everyone, then everything will turn out just fine. I was I was feeling lost, I was feeling down, but I knew that by the end of the week we would go over it. And like those inner city public schools, that end of that light at the end of the tunnel isn't apparent. If anything, it is obscured and hidden by by many details and facets, such as you know, having all these assemblies about like incarceration and like avoiding drugs and gangs, and then that simply exposes students to those things. And instead of having, and so you risk the entire body population 
to the disease instead of trying to contain it and handle the cases where it may or may be. And so, ultimately, the end goal is what's important. It's all about, at the end of the day, everything is about optics and marketing and perspective. And that's why you never want the optics side to label, to label it. Because, for example, you want, because I could have labeled it simply as unguided learning where I don't do anything. But no, because the teacher explained that there was an end goal in sight where there would be a final destination, I was okay with it. And I could handle it. But when you are in elementary and you don't see anybody else graduating high school or going to college or moving forward in life, and you're in elementary and you see graduation from high school as a 12th grader to be so far away, then you don't have an end goal in sight. And when you don't have an end goal in sight, you are walking in the dark in that tunnel. When you walk in the dark in the tunnel, you may end up walking the wrong way and all the way back, all the way backwards or to a point where you are lost in the darkness and you cannot be let out. No one should be left in the dark. And it's the responsibility of everyone to be the light that guides those people out. Because not because of any greedy financial reason that, say, a charter or for-profit school may have, but for civic duty and civic responsibility. Again, I like to, I try, I should say, to end these episodes on a, on a note about what school does well. And ultimately, I think that school does a great job when it comes to food. I'm going to let that sink in. And now, while you can say, if your school had good food or bad food or mediocre food or unforgettable food, I think that regardless of where your school fits in those categories, I think that the simple idea and concept of food and the lunch period is something that school has done a great job in cultivating in our minds that exists to adulthood. I mean, think about it. Think about your time in school and like the huge shadow or monkey in the room, elephant in the room that lunches. It's a time in the day when you take a break from your classes and you can eat and hang out with friends and deal with all the social interactions to happen as a result of it. And I honestly can't really think of any of a collective moment in school from school that sticks with people that much. Recess? Recess dies out in high school, if not middle school, quickly for lots of people. And arguably recess and like gym like exercise dies out for some people. Classes, it's it's hard to say. There's a class that sticks with people on a universal scale. But you know what does? Lunch. Because everybody, hopefully at, at the very least, eats lunch. And the sheer fact that lunch has had this collective like hold on us, on every one of us. It's, it's like we are, like moth memes are pretty prevalent right now. And so it's like we are the moths and the lunch is the light. And we all file into the cafeteria at midday to, you know, take a break, fill up, and finish out the rest of the sprint of the race. And I, I think that, you know, that's something that school does incredibly well, creating a collective memory that frankly sticks with lots of us. And, it, and like maybe in the trends and things that happen in lunch 
carry on to the workplace and how like you know table politics and dynamics and you know do you like the big lunch do you like to work during lunch do you like to you know read do you like to completely go somewhere else and go outside and those things stick with you it's a habit and when you spend 12 years of your life in school you arguably develop habits from those 12 years in school that carry on so that's all i have to say all i have to say one word food i like food i want to I would like some food right now, but I can't get food. Now I'm going to be hungry. Yeah. Hey, anyway, food, school, it's pretty big. Lunch sticks with you. That's all I've got. Hey, guys, that is it for this podcast. I'm sorry. This is a bit shorter, hopefully. Know that the content within it is the content within it is still engaging. Hope, hope in your mind. You know, today's been a very busy day, and I want to. St- I am sticking to my schedule, and frankly, it's so feeling enough. If you guys like the shorter content sections, the shorter episode length, and hey, say something. Maybe you can fit it into your lunch period, right? And listen to it or something. That's, that's a pretty good t- tie in, if you ask me. But ultimately, guys, that's all I've got. You know what? Cleveland won their last game last week. Things are looking up. I'm not a Cleveland fan, but hey, it's always good when everyone can have some happiness in this world. This weekend, I don't know what I'm going to do. There's some Premier League soccer I might check out. I've got an essay to write on that. You know, good old argumentative. I've got an essay to rewrite from before on a personal narrative. Man, this weekend is full. But you know what I always have time for? Making this podcast. You know what you can have time for? Listening to this podcast. So that is it for episode three, School to the Pool. And I'll see you guys in the next one. Be safe, pay attention to the news, and be engaged.